Welcome to PTBC Podcast, where we will be speaking about innovation, technology, growing your business, and maximizing your entrepreneurial potential. Let's get down to business. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the PTBC Podcast. This is Slava, and I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Sarush. Hey, Slava. So today we have a very special guest. He's uh, loaded with experience and expertise on the financial side of things in healthcare. Let's welcome Rohan Orheja. As a chartered professional accountant and corporate finance professional, Rohan has been involved in scaling healthcare companies in the millions of dollars, and it's not a small feat. So he currently serves as a financial advisor to both Embody and Call Hero. So as you might have heard about these couple of companies uh, based in Canada, and uh, as well, he's also acted as a business manager for Microsoft Investment Business with a specific focus on technology and healthcare. And he's also been the director of finance at Centric Health. So he has a wealth of experience over 11 years of success across multiple industries like healthcare and technology. And this has been nothing short of outstanding. So we're super excited to have Rohan here today to shine some light on the finances of our profession. So let's get right into it. It is time to get down to business. So Rohan, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Doing, doing good. Great. Thank you. So as we understand, you come from a finance background. So could you give us a brief overview of how you got involved in the healthcare industry and uh, more specifically in the physiotherapy side of things? Of course, of course. First off, thank you for having me on your podcast today. I'm really excited to be on here. Um, to, to kind of give you a little bit of background, our industry or physiotherapy actually in general is going through a huge consolidation and increasing their reach all across North America. So that huge consolidation that's happening, that's what brought me towards the physiotherapy industry specifically. Mm-hmm. My background, I've spent a lot of time with um, cosmetic surgeons, GPs, chiros, pharmacists, through the various work that I've done through KPMG, Centric Health, uh, Microsoft a number of areas where I've been able to blend technology as well as healthcare, as well as my financial expertise. My background is mostly in buying and selling businesses and helping them obtain financing. So that's where when you see such a huge consolidation in the industry that's happening, um, you know, a person like me, it's just interesting to get involved as well as bringing a lot of expertise that I have from other industries that I've worked in. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank uh, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, it's definitely been um, great um, learning more about you and how you've been involved in this industry. And you know, as you might know as well, it's growing very rapidly. And um, like you said, with the consolidation, things are definitely changing, and the business is becoming really, really important um, within this industry. And and we're really trying to get that message out to the other physiotherapists and other uh, physio uh, new grads or the students. Um, and so, but uh, the one thing that we also have found to be useful is talking to people like you who have these designations like the CPA, right? And so not a lot of people, not everybody at least, knows what this designation is. So we were wondering if you could uh, shine some light of what having a CPA means and how that could be useful for someone who's looking into owning a business or opening a business. For sure, for sure. So having a CPA really gives you the insight into the financial aspect of the business. And one of the biggest things that I found, especially with through my, you know, past experiences is that 
buyers don't like buying headaches. So a number of consolidators, as they look to buy businesses and grow their footprint, they don't want to buy headaches. They want to buy businesses that are well run and, you know, financially, uh, financially stable. Um, so a lot of what a CPA can help you do and a lot of what that background is, it helps you understand the financial aspect of your business, it helps you structure your business properly and helps you get ready for an actual sale or get ready for a buy. Yeah. Um, with the consolidators coming in and the number of people that are looking to buy businesses, What's really, really attractive about a business is their patient operations, your patient experience, but combined with your financial will really tell the strong story about your business. Mm -hmm. So for someone to consult with the CPA and also understand patient experience, mirror those two up and all of a sudden you've got a great business and a great story that you can sell. Otherwise, you're kind of on your own walking into you know muddy waters and trying to figure out how to get the best value for my business. So that's where I would see where you'd want to consult with a CPA, get, get confidence in your financials, get confidence in your business and give that, uh, give the buyer that confidence, which is going to be the real key behind, you know, selling your business or buying a business. But you don't have that. Um, you end up leaving a lot of value on the table and you end up leaving a lot of money on the table, which mm -hmm. is uh, not what you want to do <laughs> at any point in time. Right. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So Rohan, you laid it down pretty clearly that uh, for some of those big consolidators, it is attractive to um, buy great patient operations combined with the great financials. But you also mentioned that they don't want to buy headaches. So could you tell us what's the number one um, financial mistake that you see business owners make in the healthcare uh, that causes that headache and making their business not attractive to purchase? One of the biggest ones that I find is not having a proper financial setup. So your bookkeeping is not clean. Your, your financial structure is not clean. Your financial planning and forecasting is not clean. It's combined with your patient experience not being accurate or not being well laid out. So no weekly scoreboard, no call metrics, all those components that are really necessary within a clinic and you're missing it. So what ends up happening is that your value of a business and you're walking into a, a sale you're walking across like someone sitting there like a shark and you're so unprepared and it ends up being a situation where you lose a lot of money or you leave money on the table. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can give you a quick example, actually, of uh, one of the quick negotiations that we just recently worked on, which is a little while ago. Um, we ended up negotiating with a clinician to purchase his business and sitting across his table, his books were not done properly. Mm -hmm. His assets were not listed correctly. We didn't know what the business owned. We didn't have a lot of confidence in the numbers of the, of the business. And we also didn't have any metrics for the business. So what we ended up offering him was a relatively low multiple mm -hmm. compared to what he normally would have gotten. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, if you can imagine a hundred thousand dollars in profit, offering him a multiple of only four, he's walking away with $400,000. But if he had done everything properly, he had the right financials, he had the right story, all the things combined together, if we offered him a six times multiple, you know, you're already moving scaling up an extra $200,000. Yeah. And, you know, that's a, that's a really good example because, you know, coming from the healthcare perspective, right, these are things that we don't discuss as healthcare professionals. We don't learn this in school, right? We don't, um, 
it's it's hard to learn a lot of these on your own as well if you're super busy getting uh, trying to you know run the business trying to be a clinician and all the other aspects of the healthcare component right so you know it's it does sound like having someone with a CPA designation in your in your corner is it's really important now from your perspective how do you think that if somebody wants to look for someone with a CPA how should they approach is there like a checklist or something that you think like the top three quality of someone with a designation of a C, of CPA should have before they consult with that person? I wouldn't say there's a top three list of things that you should look for with a CPA. What I would really suggest is really looking into your industry and people who can support you and be on your bench strength. So having the right people on your bench is going to be key. Someone who knows your industry, someone who knows, you know, your business, and also someone who can actually understand the seller's perspective or, and the buyer's perspective, which is really key. Because if, you're, if they've gone through the number of transactions, they know how people are selling businesses to them. If they're on your side, they can help you navigate some of the murkiest waters because they know exactly what a buyer is looking for. They know how to set up your business so the buyer will actually not obtain a lot of headache. They know exactly how to move your business from where they are today to actually selling it to a consolidator. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And we've discussed some of the things on the, around the exit strategy, around the clinical business. Uh, we wanted to just shift gears a little bit and go for the start before you start the clinic and uh, starting your own business because um, we've talked to a lot of clinic owners already. Uh, so we know it can be difficult to uh, come up with the capital to start your own practice. So we were wondering if you have some um, tips or ways that you think are the best to get this capital and uh, what can we do outside of a bank to get that startup capital necessary for a business? For sure. Actually, I want to take your question and kind of split it up into two separate scenarios. Sure. Uh, one scenario kind of being a new clinician branching out on their own, looking to grow. And then another scenario where a clinician is looking to buy, acquire, and grow their footprint. Mm-hmm. So th- there's two different scenarios and looking at it from a different lenses is really key. So if you're a new clinician and you want to start off and you want to you know, build your own clinic, if you go and you start your own clinic from scratch, meaning that you know you find a lease, you get all the equipment necessary, and then you start building a brand, and then you start building sales, your, your component, especially all the time spent on recruiting, might just end up being a little too much to take on all at the start. Yeah. Ideally, what would be nice is that if your clinician is able to save money, get some money from family and friends, put it into a capital and purchase or buy into a partnership with another clinician or purchase a, or a clinic that's already operating. Mm-hmm. In doing so, there's a number of clinics out there that you know, are struggling, that are not doing well, that are having a hard time uh, operationally. And I, new clinicians are always ambitious. They're ready for change. They're ready to make that impact. And mm-hmm. taking on a clinic that's struggling or taking on a clinic that already has a bit of operation, you're able to input new processes like, you know, a weekly scoreboard, uh, call metrics, uh, important financial information. All those components built into the clinic, you can actually make it a lot stronger and improve it a lot faster than trying to start something off, you know, from the ground up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's definitely something that we've, we've seen um, with a lot of the motivated new grads, you know, from our era now, 
that want to try to take on those roles to, you know, eventually become at least the clinic manager or partner with a, with somebody who has a clinic who is, for example, maybe even looking to go into retirement, right. But they don't want to sell. Right. So we've definitely seen those um, opportunities arise in the healthcare industry right now. For sure. And you're, you're exactly right. And like the second part to it is, as you've seen, there's a number of clinicians that are looking to expand their footprint and expand mm-hmm. uh, into other areas. And that expansion plan, you know, taking on a little bit of bank debt, taking on additional equity partners are really worthwhile in trying to grow your footprint. But the best aspect of it is, you know, having a sound, a sound financial plan before you take on new investments and new strategies and purchasing new clinics, making sure, you know, the operations are right. Just yeah. from any, any side, when you're also a, a buyer at that point in time, you don't want to be buying a headache. Yeah. And so having the right people on your bench when you're buying a clinic is going to be really key for you. Because, yeah. you know, you can, you can actually warn against big pitfalls, financial issues, operational mm-hmm. issues that you don't normally see if you don't have the right people on your bench. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And Rohan, you mentioned before, if you're a young um, clinician looking to enter into the business world, you might look into buying a clinic that already exists, but some of the processes aren't ideal. How do you identify if that clinic is going to be a headache like you mentioned, or it's going to be something that's ideal to potentially um, take over and grow and then maybe even have an exit strategy towards the end? So there's a number of areas in the patient experience that you can take a look at, uh, you know, uh, as well as on the financial side. Like if you're looking at uh, weekly call metrics, uh, also weekly scoreboard, um, you know, on the financial side, you would look at like EBITDA metrics, profit metrics, uh, and cash flow metrics. Mm-hmm. Those are key to understanding the struggles within the business, also understanding what elements in the business are not being looked at. If you're not measuring elements, if you're not keeping an eye on, uh, you know, your PVA, you're, you're not looking at specific metrics. You end up in a situation where the business, you don't have control of the business. And so the business actually controls you. So mm-hmm. having, uh, you know, when you're buying a clinic, when you're trying to walk into a clinic, if you don't want to inherit a headache, mm-hmm. take a look as part of your purchase do I, do they have the right, you know, operations? Can I update it? Can I bring new uh, processes? Can I bring new skill sets in here? Um, how is their financials? What is their bookkeeping like? What, what do they do that is not up to the level that you would do it at? And then having the right bench strength around you to actually look at different elements that you're not particularly strong at. No one's going to be perfect in everything. So having the right bench will really help you identify pitfalls that are a headache that you normally wouldn't see before. For sure. And um, you mentioned those metrics. Would you try to look for a clinic that already tracks them or would you kind of observe the clinic for a month or a couple of months and try to um, measure them yourselves? If a clinic's already tracking them, that, that's key. That's already like, you know, the next level up. If they're not tracking them, then yes, like some things where as part of your own due diligence and uh, your own background and looking into the clinic itself, you'd want to look at metrics that, you know, the clinic's not necessarily looking at right now. Right. And um, 
Now, I do want to actually go back to one thing you also mentioned about having friends and family invest in your business or getting some investors to start up a clinic as well, whether you're buying it, uh, it's already there or, or whatnot, right? Um, so it's, it's obviously a lot, sometimes, not all the time, it's easier to give up, uh, give up equity or shares in your business um, as a way to get some investments, right? So we wanted to get an idea what you thought of kind of that angle versus having a loan, for example, or a business loan from a bank. If you were to, for example, talk to somebody who wants to look into owning a business, right? How would you walk them through those two options of giving up equity versus uh, getting a business loan? That's actually a great question. In terms of different aspects of it, each one has its pros and cons as you go along uh, and look into acquiring a business or even building a business from scratch. Right. A bank loan has a great element of, you know, you've got a stable cash flow, you've got interest, and, you know, there's terms that you can get around or have for your business. But the biggest thing, to be honest with you, the difference between a bank and an equity component is an equity is they're looking for a higher return, but they're also lower risk. When you go for a bank loan, it's a higher risk, but there's a lower uh, interest payment on it. Mm-hmm. And a bank loan, especially nowadays, it's a little bit easier to get a bank loan. But at the same point in time, if it's your first time running a business or if it's the first time for you to buy a business, taking on that riskier capital for you might be a little bit harder of a venture versus actually getting some family and friends money or some of your own savings to buy into a clinic. Mm -hmm. So it's all about understanding what your risks are, how you're going to address your risks and what are, what, what safety nets do you have in place uh, to protect Mm -hmm. yourself? Um, A lot of times, a lot of clinicians that I I I advise when they're starting up is definitely look towards more of an equity route before you go straight into the bank debt route, because the bank debt route is a little bit riskier at the same point in time, you need to have the right people around you to help you manage that. And if you have the right people around you to manage that, then definitely, you know, go for the bank loan. But if you don't, go for the lower risk equity. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a that's also a good point, you know, with the risk levels that you made. Now, you know, personally, I'm just thinking from like our perspective, let's say we owned a, a business and want to give up equity, right? Giving up equity also means that you're potentially giving, you know, larger uh, amounts of profits or growth to that individual. Now, when you give up the equity component, should you be looking for certain skills that person is going to bring or how can you make sure, you know, outside of friends and family, let's say you're getting some sort of investor to come in, how can you try to m- maximize that kind of relationship where that person doesn't just kind of give capital, but potentially can be also involved within the business later down the line? Have you seen anything like that happen at all? I have uh, in, in multiple different facets to in, in a couple of the clinics that I've worked with, as well as with other businesses that I've worked with, when you invite an investor into your business, whether it be equity, whether it be through debt, whenever you invite an equ- investor into your business, the skill sets that you're looking for is essentially someone who can add to your bench strength. So I keep mentioning bench strength because what you have in your ability to address business headaches is going to be around who you can draw on and information you can pull from them. So if you don't have a strong bench, if you don't, if your equity investors uh, can't help you in times when you're, you're struggling, 
then it's not a situation where you can you want them on as a full equity investor. But but the idea is when you're going in for an equity and you've got an equity investor on your on your books, right. when you're going to sell your clinic or when you're going to push your clinic out or you're trying to sell it to a consolidator, if you don't have the right equity partners with you, having or even if you don't have the right partners or people on your bench with you when you're selling it, you end up in a situation where you end up losing a lot of money as opposed to gaining a lot of value for what you've built. That's true. So the bigger element of it is when I go out and I want to get an equity investor, someone that I want to put on my bench, I have to be able to have them see blind spots that I can't or add value that I can't add myself. Mm-hmm. And that is going to be key. Um, you know, if you're just looking for money and you're just looking for cash, then you look for silent advisors, right? Or silent equity. And Mm -hmm. that is people who would just give you money and they kind of just step aside and let you run the show. Um, but a lot of people, a lot of clinicians that I've worked with, they tend to get partners that are, have strengths outside of the strengths that they have. Mm -hmm. Um, so whether it be someone who's stronger on the business side someone who's stronger on like if you're trying to build a multidisciplinary clinic, Mm -hmm. uh, someone who, you know, it just, it depends where you want to take your business. But at the same point in time, you need to make sure that you have the right people on your bench. And if you don't, I've seen a number of clinics now, like I got to be absolutely scared at the number of clinics that I've seen where they didn't have the right people on their bench and when they end up selling their clinic or when they end up growing the footprint or when they end up acquiring, it ends up being one messy equity show of who owns what and where. And all this infighting ends up happening, which ends up lowering the value of the business and ends up losing you value at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Rohan, you mentioned um, two ways of approaching obtaining capital, right? One is the equity, which we just talked about. And the other one was through a business loan, right? So uh, with the equity piece, it could be sometimes a little bit less formal, right? Depending on who you approach, sometimes a little bit more formal. So you don't necessarily need a business plan for that. But is it absolutely necessary to have a business plan to obtain a business loan? And if it is, what's the best way to structure it to maximize your success? It's not absolutely necessary to have a business plan to get a business loan. There's multiple different ways and avenues to get a business loan. Um, The biggest thing to make sure that you have when you're going out to get a loan is that you understand the business. You understand your patient experience. You understand how to set up your business. You understand the financials that you're going to build into your business. And one of the key things that every bank will look at and every bank will talk to you about is your financials. If you have a strong understanding of your financial position and your financial exit, you come across as much more of a stronger candidate to get a bank loan or even just even get equity investments mm-hmm. um, from, from other people looking to buy your shares. And it's all around that fact of how much confidence you can give them. And the biggest thing about that is understanding your patient metrics, understanding you know, your financials, understanding how to set up the business and how to make sure uh, things are going to be running properly just from day one. Uh, It's harder and a lot harder to fix something, you know, when you're just about to sell than it is to input the right processes and processes and procedures before you even get to sell. So, 
you know, in, in my mind, there's always been those five tips that I always talk to people about is whenever you're going out to get a bank loan, whenever you're looking at something, plan early, you know, make sure you have the right people around you when you're actually going for it and, and putting it all together and, and let your financials tell your true story. So the story that you're trying to tell in your business, let your financials meet up with your facts and your story and you're essentially like, you'll be able to get that loan pretty easily. Exactly. And uh, it definitely makes sense that you have to have your financials in order and how you present it to the bank to secure that uh, business loan. Uh, do the banks or the representative of the banks who issue the loans, do they have an accurate um, picture of like, let's say the rehab industry or the healthcare industry in general to fully understand that, um, that story about the patient experience connected with the financials in your experience? In my experience, uh, you can talk to a number of bankers. They have experience in the industry, but they don't have that level of depth that, uh, you know, a physiotherapist has mm -hmm. um, or, a, you know, a GP or even a cosmetic surgeon. The level of depth necessary in that industry is is absolutely important to operate in that industry. But for a bank the best thing to do is help them understand their one key aspect of how do I get my money back? Mm -hmm. And so when you are, when you're going and approaching a bank, the key component is always have the right advisor with you because the components in the conversation, the communication elements between the banker as well as the person in the industry, there's going to be a bit of a gap yeah. and having them understand the story as well as how you are going to do it, how mm -hmm. you're going to be able to provide that patient experience, how you're going to be able to manage your business, manage your finances, and make sure you know, it, you're gonna be able to grow it. But mm -hmm. at the same point in time, what the bank really cares about is how are you going to pay them back? Right. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. How, how much financial expertise do you have to make sure that you're going to be able to you know, recycle the profits, be able to manage your, manage the financial elements of your business and be able to pay that bank loan back. Um, you know, now, nowadays, uh, especially in the United States, I've seen a lot more and more alternative lenders are popping up and the alternative lenders are using, you know, industry specific knowledge and being able to fill that gap that traditional mm -hmm. banks weren't able to do in the past and being able to provide bank loans to, you know, specific industries because they know how they operate and, and the strength behind that operation. So um, it, it all really, really comes back to as you decide to go in and venture in, there's no need for you to be an expert in banks. There's no need for you to be an expert in every part. You're already an expert in being a physiotherapist. You're already an expert in being a clinician. You know, leave the other elements to uh, the best advisor that you have and and make sure they're able to help you and guide you along the process. So Rohan, now that we're on the topic of loans and lines of credit, we are wondering if you could give us a little bit of an overlook on the differences between a line of credit and loans and some of your experiences regarding these for uh, obtaining funding. For sure. Uh, there's actually a number of different types of uh, financing that you can obtain. One of them being, you know, asset-backed financing, which is for every item that you're purchasing in your clinic, you can actually get a bit of a loan against it. Uh, the other items are term loans where you can end up getting a term loan for your business, 
but it's usually guaranteed through a personal guarantee. Uh, and then finally, you can actually just end up getting an operating line of credit. Uh, an operating line of credit is usually, again, unsecured. Um, it does oftentimes require a personal guarantee, but it does come with a higher higher interest rate. And the idea here is you can create a more of a revolving loan where you can actually draw on as you need it. Um, the clinic and the type of loan that you want would depend on the size of the clinic and how you're planning on growing your clinic. A lot of times you see clinicians and, and other businesses take operating line of credits more for variable items in their business and more of a term loan for fixed items in your business. And those are the two components you kind of want to mix. Uh, but always definitely talk to your finance professional, talk to your bank, and they will guide you through the type of loans that you can offer and type of uh, type of actual guarantees that they require in order to get that loan. For sure. And uh, Rohan, you mentioned uh, some of these terms. And uh, when uh, uh, people from the general public go into the bank, sometimes they tend to be a little bit lost with all of these terms and some of these uh, conditions that are being presented to them in terms of the loans. But people just pay attention to the money that they receive. Um, but could you speak about the importance of uh, having a financial advisor or an accountant with you during those loan negotiations with the bank? Definitely. It's always good to have a financial professional with you, working with you when you're going in to get a term loan or a loan from the bank in general. The idea is that they can help you navigate some of the complicated items that come up in the, in the loan itself and help guide you some of the items that can be negotiable and some that aren't. Uh, it's always important to have someone on your side as you as you walk in to get get a bank loan for your business. Mm -hmm. And you've definitely done a great job emphasizing just being able to understand the financials behind the business and you know, learning, being able to communicate that with a banker or whoever you're sitting in front of for an investment. Now, we do also want to talk a little bit about uh, cash flow and how important that is in essentially leveling up your business. And that's also a part of just understanding the financials in depth like you've been talking about. Can you give us your perspective on why maintaining cash flow is so important in a business considering that you've seen huge amounts of growth in the companies that you've been a part of? So there's always a saying that cash is king, and uh, I'm sure I'm sure you've heard it before as well. Cash flow is the key part of any business. It's really important, and also, you know, not only keeping the business afloat, but at the same point in time, what you're going to use to grow the business. Mm -hmm. A number of uh, people looking to buy businesses, and a number of people looking to sell businesses, they sell it on the strength of your cash flow, and they buy it on the strength of your cash flow. So the cash flow element is really key within a business and understanding how to appropriately, well, especially set it up within a business to measure it properly, but at the same point in time to make sure that you're able to communicate that out externally properly as well mm -hmm. is key. And then the third part about it is when you're actually having that cash flow is acquiring and growing your businesses. So, you know, do I acquire here? Do I you know, build a clinic here, mm -hmm. a larger component of it is having people that can help you understand where to grow next. Mm -hmm. Or if you decide to extend and grow yourself, it's, do I take on a clinic that already has a headache? Or do I find a way and have the skills to come in, take on a clinic that has a headache, put in the right processes and turn mm -hmm. it around? Or do I buy a clinic that doesn't have a headache and I can add to my footprint? Where do I go about and how do I invest, uh, invest that money, invest that cash flow? Mm -hmm. and I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. 
I mean, the, the last key on everything is to take a look at patient experience. Uh, right. That to me is going to be key in regardless of every clinical buy or sell that you do is how is that patient experience? Is it being measured? Is it being monitored? You know, if, if none of that stuff is being done, that's one thing as a new clinician, you're able to walk in and, and do an input. Um, but, you know, you have to have the skills and strength to do it. Yes. And um, cash flow is definitely an important uh, component of the whole clinic operations and um, components of revenue and costs come into, come into play, right? If you're able to balance those, then your cash flow should be uh, positive for sure. Um, we have a lot of uh, questions from the audience in regards to what is the difference between the fixed and the variable costs and uh, why they are important to consider and also how could you control your fixed costs in order to, um, to generate a higher cash flow? That's actually a really good question. Um, in a number of ways, if you're not measuring your fixed and your variable costs right, you have a less understanding on, on what costs you can control for the business and, and how you can actually scale the costs that you are incurring. So variable costs, uh, you know, uh, for example, laundry supplies, uh, those are costs that vary alongside the revenue. So as you increase more revenue, you're going to incur more costs. And that's how it fluctuates up and down. It's also a resulting impact on um, patient care as you increase the number of operating elements that you have. It does impact the dollar value. And if you see that swinging alongside, I mean, I'm giving you an example like laundry, um, laundry supplies. I've seen a number of el other elements of variable costs, which includes, you know, uh, gloves, you know, smaller pieces of equipment that you used up. All those elements, as they come into play, they will vary as your revenue increases, as you see the number of assessments increase. All of a sudden, your, your supply cost and your supply usage goes up. Mm -hmm. Fixed costs are more around the lines of leases. Um, just because you have more people walking in the door, your lease cost doesn't necessarily change. It, it tends to be fixed over a certain period of time. So th the best thing to always look at is how do I get more out of my fixed costs? And how can I maximize the value of my uh, supplies? So you know, for example, reducing wastage. If there's any elements within your clinic that's causing wastage of any supplies. Uh, one of the clinics that I noticed, um, you know, they had, this is more on the pharmaceutical side, they had uh, drugs that they were repeatedly ordering. And as they were adding it to their inventory, it ended up just getting wasted and thrown away because they weren't using it. But they weren't even, like, there was no buyers for that particular drug mm -hmm. and there was no need to actually stock that drug but they just noticed that if there's nothing it's empty i'm going to reorder it so that wastage of supplies ends up just eating away at your variable cost um there, there's a number of other examples that i can give you that essentially end up eating away at your revenue for the for and, and increase your wastage mm -hmm. but in terms of your fixed costs least cost tends to be the largest number and largest dollar value on your on your operating expenses for a fixed cost and negotiating with your landlord especially when you're ready to sell when you're looking to sell your business and when you're looking to move away your business if you have not looked into depth of your lease can you assign your lease 
do you have to cancel your lease? Is there a breakage clause within your lease? If you haven't looked at these prior to your sale, it ends up being an absolute nightmare when you go through a sale process and you can't assign the lease and you have to break the lease and the new person has to re-sign a lease. Now that cost of that breakage, you can't get back. At the same point in time, you can't even get it from the seller or from the buyer. So looking at specific items before you actually get into the process of the sale is really important. And understanding your fixed cost, which is going to be the largest component of, you know, of make or break scenarios for a number of clinics. You need to make sure that you understand what is fixed, what is variable, and what you can actually impact on either side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh, definitely clears up a lot of things. And I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, variables outside the variable costs <laughs> that you need to consider, um, you know, with that financial component and um, just the cost itself, right? And like, you know, we've also seen with different types of clinics, they have different types of costs because are they, for example, do they have a small boutique clinic? Is the overhead low? Or what kind of equipment do they use and how much variable costs will they have or will they have more fixed costs, right? These are definitely, I think, um, from our perspective, right? It do, does change with the type of practice as well. So it's definitely an important consideration. Um, we also did want to ask you, you know, uh, with your expertise, it does sound like someone like you or yourself specifically being in, in uh, the business owners or potential business owners uh, corner is really important. And we wanted to get an understanding from your perspective, what other professionals should these potential business owners, potential clinic owners or uh, physio clinic owners, who else should they consult to be able to be successful with their financial planning? I would definitely consult an accountant or a lawyer or people who are understanding of, you know, buy and sell with of a business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, financial planning for a business is significantly different than the financial planning for a personal reason. It's, they're, they're two different animals. They're two different beasts. And to do it properly, it's hard to have the skill set in both. Um, uh, financial planning for a business is really, really important to understand any kind of hurdles, any kind of pitfalls, anything that you don't know that will be coming down the line. And so accounting professional, a legal professional, uh, they're really good to have on your side and they're really good to help you understand uh, and overall help you sleep well at night, you know. Uh, when running a business, it's not easy. Uh, it doesn't matter what kind of business it is. Running a business is never easy. Mm-hmm. Learning how to unplug from that business and also having the right professionals around you, an accountant, a lawyer, will help you, guide you through uh, you know, pitfalls that you, you didn't, couldn't see yourself. Yeah, exactly. And uh, those are definitely some uh, important points. And uh, Rohan, over this whole podcast, you provided some amazing insight and um, that little bit of a higher perspective, right? Where you uh, loom above uh, this world of physiotherapy, right? Where you've worked with some other health professionals and done a lot on the business side and in regards to the financial uh, portion as well, that you give that little bit of a scope perspective of what are the main things to look for. Um, I understand that you're a big reader yourself. Uh, similar to us and we really love books we love listening we love reading 
Uh, unfortunately, as we can all probably agree, there's not enough time to read, <laughs> but we try to take it on the go with our Audible app. But what is the one book um, that you think has been valuable in your career so far? I, I was telling you this before. This is really hard to narrow it down to just one book. Uh, <laughs> it, it's so many books that can have an impact as you kind of go along in your career and as you kind of learn, um, especially on the financial side. But for me, one of the ones that actually resonates really well was Scaling Up Excellence. And the reason of that was just, it, it talks a lot about uh, scaling a business, um, you know, organically, inorganically. Mm-hmm. And it, it really resonates well because a lot of what I've done, especially in my career, is helping businesses, you know, preparing them for sale, uh, helping them understand their financials, helping them financially plan before you actually get there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's six tips that I normally take away, sorry, five tips that I normally take away from everything that I read is how does this impact me? How is this going to impact my business and how am I going to grow from it? And how do you unplug from the operation so you can work on just yourself or on patient operations? Preparing early is always the key. If you don't prepare early, if you don't understand how to scale, you end up in constant pitfalls and and just inheriting headache after headache after headache yeah number three was always have strong financials it's key in your business it's really interesting how it creates that buyer's confidence and the book talks about how to create that buyer's confidence which is important Mm -hmm. and you know preparing for the financial forecast as well as seeking professional advice those are another key elements that i would definitely take back and understand that you know you got to have the right people around you you have to write have the right bench around you and and, you know putting people on your team that are going to help you grow are going to be the key facets in sort of scaling up and making sure you scale up excellent Mm -hmm. and thanks so much for sharing that book that's definitely a book that does seem uh a book we'll 100% be reading we'll give the listeners the um the synopsis on this as well. Um, in terms of getting in touch with you now, um, is there any way that individuals, uh, whether it be new grads or business owners, um, where can they find you on social media and how can they get in touch with you just to speak with you or even get uh, your services? For sure. Um, if you're looking for uh, at your business, your financial structure, you're getting it ready for sale, or you want just want to understand financial planning and how to, you know, scale up your business and grow your business. Uh, definitely the best way to reach me is through LinkedIn or mm-hmm. even my email. My email is actually rohan at clinicaccelerator.com. And I, I'd be happy to talk to you and happy to avoid some full pitfalls that I've done throughout my career and I've seen in my career. And I'd love to guide you through it. Yeah, and uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to work with you in the future because <laughs> you've shown over this podcast that you have a lot of experience and a lot of relevant knowledge to take a clinic with maybe not so perfect processes and take it to the top, secure the right planning, and then um, make sure that you set it up for a proper exit strategy. So Rohan, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to, uh, to talk to us, and it was truly a pleasure. Thank you again. It was great, great being here. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the PTBC podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode today. 
Please check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at our website, ptbusinesscorner.com. Feel free to send us a message on social media or email us at info at ptbusinesscorner.com. See you next time.